Hi, church. Welcome again to our weekend services uh, online uh, here at Cornerstone Community Church. Now, this weekend, I want to speak to you about the burning bush encounter. You see, Exodus chapter 3 is well known for one thing, Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. Now, I really do love these familiar passages in our scriptures, and I love them because they are so iconic. And, you know, just about everybody knows something about these uh, uh, encounters, right? And they're an easy point of reference for all of us. Now, I, I love them as well uh, because they are often so familiar to us that we end up glossing over the details in these accounts and miss lots of nuggets of important truth. I believe that the burning bush encounter has many things to teach us about our approach towards God. And hopefully I can bring uh, and point out some stuff uh, to all of us that maybe that we have not noticed precisely because of our familiarity with the account. Okay, So to get us started, I'd like to read for us from Exodus chapter 3, uh, from verse 1 all the way to verse 10. Now Moses was uh, tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place, take your sandals uh, off your feet, for this place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel have come to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I'll send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. What an amazing passage of Scripture. Now, the first observation I want to share with you is that we need to notice the unusual in the common. In verse 2, we are told this, So he looked, or Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now, here's something to start, off, or start us off. Burning bushes in the wilderness is not an uncommon sight. While bushes don't generally combust spontaneously, I'm certain that in the 40 years of sojourn in the wilderness, Moses would have seen his fair share of bush fires. The thing that was unusual was that the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. Truthfully, this might not be the most noticeable thing. After all, a burning bush is not something extraordinary. If Moses had not looked more closely, he might have well missed noticing that the bush wasn't being consumed. You see, Moses did not um, become so accustomed to his surroundings that he failed to notice the small differences that was occurring in this situation. What I want to say to us is that God will oftentimes nestle the unusual in the midst of what is common and natural. And it is important for us as Christians to develop eyes to notice the unusual even amongst the common. 
In fact, we're told in Matthew chapter 13 that when Jesus returned to Nazareth, the people were offended and they did not believe in the Lord because Jesus really was a common sight to them. I mean, they knew his father Joseph, they knew Mary, they knew his, brother, uh, his brothers. They had seen Jesus growing up, walking down the street every day. Jesus was a common sight to them. And as a result, they failed to recognize that Jesus, who was before them now, who was teaching with such wisdom and working mighty works, was different. As a result, they missed what God was doing. Um, and oftentimes, when God is about to do something afresh, He will place something unusual in the common, and we must develop eyes to see the difference. Now, what we need to also notice uh, in this encounter is that the initiative that precipitated this encounter with God came from Moses. We're told in verse 3 and 4, um, um, that says that goes as follows, Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. You see, Moses paused. He stopped. He turned aside. He stopped whatever it was that he was doing at that moment and whatever might, he might be supposed to be doing, you know, and to observe this unusual sight. He brought his life to a standstill at that moment. You know, he put aside his schedule, maybe that he has uh, responsibilities, but he looked at this thing, he turned aside. Now, here's something. When the moment comes for us, many of us may not pause and turn aside. We may well keep on going onwards with our business and our routines. Most of us aren't inclined, you know, to have our schedules interrupted. You see, some of the greatest moments in our lives comes in the form of an interruption. Jesus called a man to follow him in Luke chapter 9, verse 59. But he told and responded to Jesus that he had to go bury his father first. In the parable of the great supper, when invited for the supper, one said he had just bought a new piece of land, another five new yokes of oxen, and yet another said he had just gotten married. You see, the theme of being interrupted is repeated over and over again. But these people kept on with their schedules in their lives, even though Jesus was extending to them the greatest invitation and opportunity ever. You know, one of our close friends here in Cornerstone is Pastor Nikki, and you know, he was born in India, but he grew up in, uh, in, uh, in the States, and uh, he's from Columbia, South Carolina. And you know, the last 14 years, he has been at every single church camp that we've had. Many of the members of our, our church themselves have not been as consistent in that. You know, and every time we've had a Kingdom Invasion conference, he has been there to support us as well as to bring uh, different people uh, to the conference as well. But, you know, this relationship started when Pastor Yang met him in a city in India called Vishakapatnam, and that was in the year 2005. And then the reason they met was because they were speaking at the same conference. Now, most of us did not know the details of how they met, and we did not, and most of us are, are not aware that, in fact, Pastor Nikki was actually not invited to speak at the conference. The conference organizers themselves actually knew nothing about Pastor Nikki. Instead, they had invited a famous evangelist by the name of Brother Manohar. And what had happened is that a couple of days before the conference, Brother Manohar's father had passed away. And Brother Manohar was a close friend of Nikki. And Nikki happened to be in India at that time and was doing a series of meetings in an altogether different part of India. 
Now, Brother Manohar asked Pastor Nikki to accompany him to this conference because he just needed a friend around him during this time of bereavement, you know, and, uh, you know, and just to be an emotional support to him. And guess what? Nikki had to cancel his other meetings in order to be with Brother Manohar. It was inconvenient. It was a disruption of his schedule and he had to make all kinds of arrangements in order just to be with Brother Manohar. But he did. He made all the arrangements and he flew over to be with Brother Manohar. As a result of that, Nikki then connected with Pastor Yang and, 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 that, uh, and that was in the year 2005. And as a result, he came to Cornerstone for our church camp that year itself. You know, the funny thing is that today, both Pastor Yang and Pastor Nikki, they are no longer in close contact with the organizers of the conference. Even with Brother Manohar, they are in touch, but they are not that close as they were before. But instead, Pastor Nikki and us have remained deeply connected with one another. You see, this was made possible because Nikki allowed his schedule to be upended. Many times, this is what God does. And I want to emphasize this. We must always be in a posture to turn aside as our responsibilities mount, as things increase in our lives, as the church grows bigger, the tendency is for us to lose this posture and flexibility. We become fixated on what we have planned and disruptions get frowned upon all the time. You see, we're called to be subjected to God and not our schedules. May we be more on the lookout of God's movements in our lives rather than just allowing our planners and our calendars to dictate our lives. Amen? Now, the second observation I want to bring to you is this, that God's call requires a response. Take a look at verse 4. It says this, that when the Lord saw that he turned aside, when Moses turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, the first thing that God spoke wasn't about the assignment. The first words that came out of the mouth of the Lord wasn't about what Moses was being called to do. Instead, the words that came out of the Lord's mouth was to call Moses by name. Moses, Moses. I believe this is an incredible expression to us on several things. Firstly, that God knows us by name. Now think about that for a moment. There are over 7 billion people alive on this planet and He knows your name. You see, when God calls our name, it isn't just that He knows how to verbalize our names, but it is an indication that He knows us, that His eyes are on us, that He's interested in us and that He cares for us. The second thing is that God knows that we are ready. You see, in this encounter with Moses, the calling of Moses wasn't just an acknowledgement of the person of Moses, but an acknowledgement that Moses was now ready for what God is about to call him to do. In other words, God had seen all that Moses had been through, this 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He saw Moses' development, his internal strength that has been developed, his character. God has measured Moses and knows that Moses is now ready for what he's going to reveal to him. The third thing about this, you know, the calling, is that God personalizes the calling. It is one thing to receive an assignment or a job from your boss at work. I mean, it is a job we have to do, right? I mean, it is perhaps something that is distant, a responsibility and for which we will be remunerated for. This is what we get paid to do. But you see, when God calls us to something, it is personal. It's not a job. It is not distant. Our task that comes from the Lord springs from our relationship with Him. God doesn't initiate a, a calling to us with my servant or my staff, you know. But God comes to us at a very personal level and calls us by name. Look at Moses then. Let, let us then look at Moses' response because Moses responds to God calling his name with these three words, 
here I am. Now, isn't this the same three words that Isaiah the prophet used in Isaiah chapter 6 when God asked for someone to go speak to Israel? And Isaiah responded, here, here am I, send me, right? It was a statement, it is a statement equivalent to saying to God, yes, sir, I'm available. It is an availing of oneself to God even before knowing exactly what God wants us to do. Now, this is the response that God is looking for from each of us when He calls us. Now, the third observation I want to point to you is this, that obedience doesn't have to make sense. In verse 5, Moses was required to take off his sandals because the ground upon which he stood was holy. Now, there's some common interpretation of what this means. For example, many people interpret this as a sign of respect for the holiness of God, and I'm certain that that is true. And others interpret that shoes being of animal skins are impure. And of course, there are quite a number of other different interpretations which were all very valid. But what I'd like to suggest to you is that the taking off of the sandals was actually a specific requirement of obedience to God when we come into His holy presence. What do I mean by that? In reality, I don't think that the sandals will in any way defile the ground or diminish the holiness of God. What is more important is that we obey God, even if what is required of us makes no sense, right? So often God gives, see, you see, so often what happens, we read, is that God gives victory, victory to the armies of Israel in the Old Testament, simply by them obeying something that makes no sense. For example, have the worship band march out in front into battle instead of the troops that are armed, you know, or put torches inside jars and smash them all at once, march in silence around Jericho, just to name you a few examples of God's military strategies, okay? Now, I want to say this, many of you might know this, that Pastor Young wakes up every day at 4.45 a.m. to pray, and specifically at 4.45, and he spends time with God. Now, why does Pastor Young need to wake up specifically at 4.45 a.m. every morning to pray? Does it mean that to be a man of God, you have to do the same? Is 4.45 some kind of a magical hour in the day where God shows up and His presence is more intense than ever? Well, the truth is this, it's, the answer is no. But the point to be made is that for us to progress further into the holiness of God, He will require obedience from us. The act of obedience doesn't have to make sense. And for Pastor Young, it was an act of obedience to something that God specifically stirred in his heart. And it just, it just you know, when God does something like that, it just needs to be obeyed. There is no reasoning required. There's no asking of why that is needed. We just need to obey the Lord. Now, it might be an abstinence from alcohol or a waking up at a specific time every day or praying a specific verse for a season daily. You see, all that is required is that when God speaks to us and He's ready to bring us into a closer place of holiness with Him, that our response has to be obedience. Now, the fourth observation I want to say, I want to bring to you is that God introduces Himself. In verse 6, this is what it reads, Moreover, he said, uh, and this is God speaking to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, before God tells Moses what he wants to do, he first introduced himself to Moses as the God of his father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of course, the God of Jacob. Now, there's something important that we need to see here. In every encounter with God, we can get lost in the content of the encounter and miss the person of the encounter. 
You see, God always wants to show us something about Himself in the encounters that we have with Him. You know, many a times the encounters that I've personally had with God contains an element of action or something that God you know, uh, calls us to do. There are times in my encounters with God that I see something, you know, where God is, uh, is calling me to aspire to, to, to words, you know. You know, or there are times when I've sought God's wisdom about what to do in a situation and God comes and He speaks to us and shows us what we are supposed to do. But let's not forget that the primary thing about every encounter we have is Him. It's about knowing Him. Because even if He tells us what we are to do in a particular situation, there is a revealing of His character, of His nature, of his ways to us. God wants to reveal himself to us. Abraham was told to sacrifice his son, you know, and it was an action that he had to do. And he obeyed God. But God provided a replacement in the end, uh, a replacement sacrifice so that Isaac did not need to be sacrificed. You know what happened at the end of this? Abraham walked away from that encounter with God, declaring God's name as Jehovah Jireh. You see, the, 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 the gain out of this whole encounter as he came out of this encounter was a deep revelation of who God is. And that's why till now we understand and we know that he is Jehovah Jireh. And that's what an encounter is. You see, in this case, Moses was introduced to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had to understand, he had to see that he's not the first person, you know, in which God was beginning to do a work. He was only a part of a continuation of what God had begun. God had a plan from the very beginning, and we're all just being fitted into that plan. God made a covenant with the patriarchs, he brought them out into the promised land, and he dealt with them in their lives all through that, the, the whole season or, or when they were, you know, wandering in the promised land. You know, at this particular time when Moses encountered the Lord, it, has, it had already been more than 400 years since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived. But God was picking up where he left off. His intentions, his purposes, they continue. And now the task comes to Moses. I'm telling you, there must have been so much more that Moses saw. The fullness and expression he must have experienced in that very moment when God introduced himself as the covenant-keeping God. The fullness and extent of who God was. And that's why Moses could not but hide his face. And he was much too afraid to even look upon the Lord. You see, our experiential knowledge of God will determine the extent to which we are able to carry out the assignment that God has for us. The more we know Him, the more we are able to be grafted into His plans and His purposes. This is what Moses was undergoing. He needed to first know the God that he was serving before he could carry out his assignment. And I want to suggest the same thing to us. You know, that until we know Him, until we know what is most important in knowing Him, we cannot fully carry out the assignment that God has for us. The final observation I want to bring to you is the heart of the assignment. Because, you see, this God enunciated the assignment to Moses from verse 7 to verse 10, right? Four verses. And what I'd like for us to notice in these four verses that is that God, God doesn't just tell Moses what is the assignment, what needs to be done. But He indicates his personal involvement in experiencing what his people were, were going through. In fact, God indicates clearly with these you know, expressions. He says, he says this, he says, I've seen their oppression. I've heard their cry. I know their sorrow. Look at the order of things here. God sees, he hears, he knows the oppression, the sorrow and the pain of his people. And as a result, he sent Moses to deliver them out from slavery and oppressions. Now, I, we cannot successfully fulfill God's call without knowing what is God's heart. 
that you know that you know, we can speak accurately God's word to someone through prophecy and still have prophesied the wrong thing if we did not communicate it with God's heart. You know, I, I've got three boys, you know, and um, I call them by their names or different things at different times when I want to communicate something to them. You know, when I want to, you know, call them to me affectionately, I may say, uh, my son, you know, and of course we have uh, nicknames for them that we call. You know, or I might just call their names and say, hey, Aaron, can you help me with something, you know? But there's a moment where I would call his name and it would be completely different. For example, there are times where I would say, Aaron Ling Wei Hung. And when I say that, you understand that the whole uh, the thing of what I'm trying to communicate is completely different, right? And so the same thing, the same name that we call somebody, and yet the way we call it, call out the name, communicates something completely different. Now, it's so important that, when, you know, that in receiving an assignment from God, that we first fully comprehend His heart in the matter or else we can misrepresent God and we can still not fulfill what He's called us to do. Now, this, these verses also shows us something else, and that there are things on God's heart which really bothers Him because His eyes are on the earth, His ears are listening, you know, and He knows what people are going through upon this planet. And hence, He's looking for candidates whom He can call, anoint, and send out to bring about deliverance. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to verse 19, Jesus reads this before his audience. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, Jesus came fully to fulfill the agenda that is on God's heart. And in many ways, God is still looking for sons, He's looking for daughters, He's looking for candidates that will hear His heart and avail themselves to do His agenda, which is to preach good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to set captives free, and to open blind eyes. You know, this is what God wants to do. And I pray that as we consider this encounter that Moses had, you know, at the burning bush, that we will think carefully, we'll read a little bit deeper, we'll look past just the, you know, spectacular or what we are familiar with of a burning bush, and we'll see that there's so much more that God wants to bring to us about His visitation and His encounters. You see, when God visits, may we not miss His visitation because we've become accustomed you know, to the common and we do not see him and his movement or recognize his movements in the midst of what, what is common. May we know how to respond rightly. May we understand that it is about knowing him as he reveals himself to us. May we know that it, is, it springs from a personal relationship with him. May we also know that we need to know what is his heart concerning the assignment before we can fulfill what he has for us. You know, and, and as we do this, as we learn this, as we look into this, God basically gives us a little blueprint of how we are to approach Him and come before Him. Well, church, I do hope that you're blessed by the Word of God this weekend, and I pray that it's not just something that we hear, but it is something that the Holy Spirit will inspire and speak to us specifically about our response and what He expects of us. You know, there's always an, a, a readjustment that needs to happen whenever the Word of God comes. You know, He wants to realign us. He wants to, you know, um, change the way we think, correct some uh, wrong thinking patterns. And He wants to set us on a path so that we can progress towards what He has for us. Amen. So I want to encourage us to continue to pursue the Lord. Amen. You know, the burning bush encounter isn't something that is meant for most 
Moses alone, but God wants to bring encounters to every single one of us. May we press in, may we long for more of Him, may we hunger for more of Him, and may we have our eyes open, waiting for the many moments where God brings burning bushes into our lives. Amen. God bless you. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.